Well, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. The first thing I want to do, I want to thank every single one of you guys uh, for praying for our youth. We were at youth camp a week ago today, and I'm just going to tell you, God rocked our kids in such an amazing way. Uh, we're going to have some testimony time next week, but I just want to tell you, camp was absolutely incredible. So thank you guys for praying. And I want to ask you guys to keep praying. You guys know that when God moves in somebody's life, especially in the youth, they get home and they get faced with reality, real world, and, and Satan comes and tries to take away what, what God deposits. So if you guys will keep praying for our youth, a lot of them even said, hey, I know I'm going home to tough situations. So they asked specifically for that prayer. Awesome. But today, I'm super excited, all right? We're talking about the Jesus Revealed series, and today we're going to talk about Father Abraham. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're like, Kevin, Abraham, man, why would I get excited about that? There's no lions, all right, in this story like Daniel, all right? There's no, like, a guy doesn't pick up a jawbone and kill a thousand Philistines, all right, like Samson. But I'm telling you, when Greg was going around and they were going to the elders, like, man, who wants to take Abraham? I was like, coach, pick me. I want this guy, all right? You may not know why I want this guy, but I'm telling you, we're going to dig deep, all right? So I hope you guys, you know, brought a shovel or something, all right, and buckle up because we're going to go places today, all right? So Abraham, there's a lot of amazing things that I don't know if you've read this story, but we're going to look through today. And I'm telling you, I know I, I'm gonna, I packed a lot in here, all right? So I'm just... Just apologizing up front, all right? All right, but we're going to go through a bunch of stuff, but it's super exciting. All right, Abraham, uh, you know, the journey of faith. This guy had an incredible journey, and we're going to look at it this morning. All right, so the life of Abraham. Now, looking at his life, what are we going to do today? We're going to look at actually, we're going to see Jesus in the Old Testament, his plan of salvation, all right? We're also going to learn from Abraham and his lessons of faith. This guy had some pretty crazy lessons that enabled him to trust God in some wild things. And also we're going to look at the reliability of Scripture. I threw in just a couple of archaeological cool things in there for you, uh, you know, geeks and nerds out there. I was a history teacher for 12 years, all right? If I didn't do that, all right, I, I would just be a bad thing. So um, it's going to be fun, though. All right, so that's what we're going to look at this morning. All right, the first thing I want to do is pop over. Uh, we're just going to look at John chapter 5. Uh, verses. We're not going to go through all that, but I'm just going to talk about a few of these verses. Now, one of the things is when you look at Jesus in the New Testament, when he was there and he was walking around this earth, right, and he would go and preach and teach, who got on his case really bad all the time? The Pharisees and the Sadducees. Yeah, he'd go be preaching, he'd be talking, and I, you just can't believe it. I mean, these guys are the guys that know everything about Scripture, right? They eat, breathe, and sleep reading the Bible. I mean, they know, if you ask them back and then, what was the, the middle letter of the Bible? They could tell you, all right? They knew the Bible that well. But here in John chapter five, Jesus claims to be the son of God. He's the Old Testament to prove his identity. And he's arguing with the Pharisees and Sadducees, man, and they totally miss the boat, all right? So you can read scripture and totally miss the point of the person it points towards. And who is that guy? Jesus, all right, you're all on board with me. That's awesome. Okay, so Jesus is the man that we're talking about. Even though we're talking about Abraham, we're going to point to Jesus, right? But Jesus says this, you search all the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. He's like, but all these scriptures point to me. Then in verse 36, it says, you, uh, if you really believed in Moses, and they always, they always held Moses. They're like, well, we believe in Moses. We believe in Moses. They're like, yeah, well, if you really believe in Moses, you know, didn't you realize that he wrote about me? This guy wrote about me, the Torah. He wrote all first five books of the Bible, and he wrote about Jesus. All right, and we're going to see Jesus there. The other thing was, now this is crazy, all right? 
I wish I was there on the road to Emmaus with Jesus' disciples because these guys, they're all walking with Jesus, you know, for, for years, you know, they're seeing miracles, they're seeing all stuff and Jesus dies. They're shocked and like, man, didn't you realize what happened? Like, how are you? And, you know, Jesus appears to them. They don't know who he was. I don't know. That's amazing. You can appear to somebody and they don't know who you are. All right, Jesus, that's a cool little superhero thing that you have. Okay, so then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses. Again, the prophets. We're going to look at Genesis, explaining all the scripture and the things concerning himself. So there's going to be a story at the end here that is amazing, and it really tells the salvation story in the Old Testament. All right, now, Abraham. All right, who was this guy? For you guys who don't know, all right, if you're reading Genesis, we're right after the Tower of Babel. He lived in the early Bronze Age, around 2000 BC, so 4,000 years ago, right? This guy's old, okay? He lived for 175 years old. Man, I have a grandma that's in her 90s, right? And she's old. She's still all there, though, which is awesome, all right? My mom's actually visiting her because she's not feeling that good. But he lived a long life. And at the end, it says, man, he was satisfied. Now, God called a nation an redemptive plan, and all of this began with this guy, Abraham. That's why he's so important, all right? Now, the call to follow the Lord. We're going to look at that in just a second. But just like Abraham had a call to follow the Lord, who else has a call to follow God? We all do. So we can all learn some very amazing, important truths. Now, I'm going to tell you, you guys, it's amazing. When you guys go and study characters in the Bible, there's so much you can learn. What you're learning is how these guys dealt with problems, how God, about God's nature, and how we can interact with God in similar things. Because I'm going to tell you, all the things that these guys dealt with in the Bible, we still, we still deal with today. All right? There's really nothing new under the sun, nothing at all. So in one of the books I was reading about Abraham, it says this. Jesus didn't come to give good advice. He, didn't, he came to tell of the wrath to come and to call people to repentance, to extend the incomprehensible love of God to the world, to summon us, to follow him no matter what the cost, to enter into joy unspeakable. Jesus did not come to be our homeboy but, uh, or, live a, or be a life coach. He assumed the role of of God. And that's what he's saying, right? That he is God. And Abraham knew that right from the beginning, right? So in Genesis chapter 12, we're going to start here. We're going to go all the way through uh, 22 and beyond, but I'm going to, and there's so much to unpack here. So I'm going to skip around his life and there we're going to hover over chapter 22 for a while. All right. Now, Genesis 12, this is where Abraham is called by God. Now, I don't know, have anybody in here, God ever asked you to do something and that he like stretched you a little bit? You're like, God, are you sure that you want me to do this, right? Now, one of the first things that Abraham gets called to, when he, when he very first mentioned, right, he's called to leave his native country and his relatives, all right, his whole family, and go to the land he's going to show you. Now, I'm going to say something similar like that happened to me when I was younger, right? I was in college. I was doing seminary. And God says, I want you to leave this place. And I want you to go to a land called Texas, all right? Now, Texas, if you haven't been there, they still believe they're their own country, right? Whether they're part of the United States or not, if you go there, Greg knows because he lived there, right? They pledge allegiance to the state of Texas, all right, in school. And I was like, what? What is this? All right, I never did this growing up in Boston, all right? We don't pledge allegiance to Massachusetts. 
Massachusetts, all right, or the Pilgrims, all right? We pledge allegiance to the United States, but no, all right? They still pledge allegiance to the state of Texas, all right? They, again, they, they, they threaten. They can secede at any time we want to. Right? We don't like it here, we're out, all right? And they're maybe on the verge of that, I don't know, all right? But, all right, so I also traveled to a foreign country, all right, all right, in land. So I, I kind of know a little bit. But to leave your family, that's tough, man. I had to leave my family for 13 years. There were times, you know, where I was at holidays. I'm like, oh, man, Christmas, you know, Easter. And you just miss out on all those cool experiences, all right? So now I'm making up for that, right? If you knew my life story, all right, you'd understand, okay? Um, but uh, just continuing on here. We will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you, curse those who treat you with contempt. But here's the deal. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. When we're obedient to God, when we say, yes, God, I'm signing up. I know what you're calling is hard. It's going to be difficult, but God is going to use you to bless everybody around you. When you follow in God, he provides provision for you, protection, all these incredible, amazing things. And he wants to use every single one of us. It just reminds me of that verse in Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't depend on your own understanding. We try to reason things out and to figure things and figure out all the way. And most of the time, especially us guys, we're morons, okay? We just end up in the wrong spot. We do the wrong thing. We look back like, man, see, we should have just trusted God, all right? But Abraham knew this. And it says, you know, there's so many promises there. The one thing I just want to point out in the promises that I'm going to come back to later, this should really should have been a later slide, but I just want you to realize that God did promise a lot of things uh, through Abraham. Great nation, land, all right? He promised really the redemptive uh, line w- would come through him. Kings, right? But also just want to point out there, eventually further down, he promises Abraham a son and through Sarah, right? So that's going to be key, but I just want to hit that. Now, Abraham's first big test, all right? I'm not going to lie. Right out of the gate, he's not looking too pretty, okay? There's, he calls him to follow after God. You know, he goes to the land of Canaan. Everything's cool, all right? You know, going good for a while. God's blessing him. He's growing, multiplying his herds, all that stuff. But famine comes in the land, all right? What do people do when famine comes in the land of, of Canaan? They go to Egypt, all right? But here's the deal. Abraham never prayed to God about this. It doesn't say anything in Scripture where he said, hey, I'm going to seek the Lord's guidance, what I should do in this famine. No, um, we see that I see the frailty and the humanness of Abraham right off the bat here. Um, but we also see God's provision. To just make a long story short, he goes down to Egypt, right? And this is what he tells his wife. And Arya, if I ever told this to you, I don't know what happened, man. It would be pretty bad. But so they're like related, right? So Abraham and Sarah, they're related. And he goes and he said, hey, babe, listen, you're gorgeous, all right? All right, so are you, babe. You're, you're gorgeous, all right? All right, you're gorgeous. Now listen, when we go down there, they're probably gonna wanna kill me to get to you, all right? So here's the plan. This is what I'm gonna do. I, gotta, I don't wanna die, okay? So we're gonna tell these people that you're my sister, which is a half-truth. It's kind of weird back then, but they were half-brother and sister, all right? All right, we're gonna tell them you're a sister, all right? So hopefully they won't kill me, because again, you're gorgeous, and everybody's gonna be talking about how good of a... Go and go, you are. All right. So this is what they do. They go down to Egypt. All of a sudden, Pharaoh's men, everybody's talking to her. All of a sudden, Pharaoh wants her in her harem. All right. So bad news. Okay. Abraham's already screwing up. Okay. Screwing up God's plan, screwing up everything. And I don't know what, what Sarah's thinking. Like, dumb your brother. Psh, you're, yeah. Well, just wait till I see you next time. All right. I don't even know what would happen there, but it'd be totally bad. But in this, God's still watching over Abraham. All right. He visits 
Pharaoh in a dream and says, hey, I'm going to smite you and all your family, all right? Your, your people can't have kids, all that stuff. So Pharaoh gets really angry at Abraham for doing this, okay? But in the end, God protects Abraham. God protects Sarah, so nothing happens. He ends up coming away with riches and wealth. But here's the thing. You read this story. He does this twice, all right? And you're right, Greg. He does, his son does do it, all right, too, okay? So um, just to say, God uses imperfect people. It doesn't matter how messed up we are. We're all on a journey of faith and trusting God, but Abraham's going to learn a lot through his life, okay? Now, I'm going to throw this in there real quick because I told you I'd throw in a a couple of archaeological things. Another thing that that Abraham does, he really does care for his family. One of the guys that he brings with him is Lot, his nephew. Um, During that time, there actually God grew his wealth so much, him and his nephew couldn't be in the same area. They had to separate, right? So Abraham's the cool uncle. He says, hey, take whatever land you want and I'll go the opposite direction. Man, what a guy. All right? Gives him first pick, even though Abraham probably should have had it. Um, Also, Lot, you know, he goes to Sodom and Gomorrah. I don't know if you guys have studied that story, but we're going to look at it just super briefly. Um, In that area, when when Abraham's over there, he actually gets captured, all right, by uh, some raiding parties. And Abraham, with like his 300 servants, you know, bad boy Abraham over here, goes chase them down and rescues Lot. All right, and his whole family. Now, Lot probably should have, you know, got the idea, hey, Sodom and Gomorrah, not a good place to live, okay? You read further in the story, you're going to say, oh my gosh, yeah, <laughs> probably worst place you could pick, up, pick to live. But anyways, he goes back there, and later on, things are so bad. And this is awesome. This is what I love about Abraham. Abraham, it says, was a friend of God, and God would actually converse and talk with Abraham. Abraham tried to save Sodom and Gomorrah. Didn't really work out, but he did save, you know, Lot and uh, most of their family, right? But here's one of the cool things. Um, Looking at archaeological evidence and different things like that, um, a lot of people, especially historians, will look at the book of Genesis and they'll say, you know what? This isn't a real book. These are just fairy tales, made up, myths, all that. There's a guy by the name of Stephen Collins who said, you know what? I believe that Sodom and Gomorrah, I can find Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm going to use the Bible as a map to go and look at where Sodom and Gomorrah is. Now, what's crazy, if you were to go turn and look in your Bible, there's an arrow pointing to the bottom of the Dead Sea that says, probable place of Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, if you look at the Bible and you read the Hebrew, that's not where it's pointing to. So this guy, Stephen Collins, like, I'm going to go to the place where, you know, it's pointing to in the Bible. Now, what's crazy is he found it. You can read now books. There's so much evidence on it. But here's the amazing thing, a couple things. So that little picture, the first picture is a tell. And what a tell is, it's a huge mound of dirt where civilizations used to live underneath. So it's piled up dirt. So he goes and digs at Tel Haman. He finds Sodom. You know what else he finds there? This is crazy. So that next uh, little block in the bottom, he finds this rock called Trinitite. You're like, who cares about a rock? Right. This is what's so cool about this rock. You know the only other place that they found Trinitite ever in the world was? In New Mexico, where they exploded the first atomic bomb. All right? Man, that place got hot, all right? So what happened was because of the molecular structure, there's, there's clay there, uh, the sand and everything. They actually, when they were digging, they found a pot. A pot's made of clay, right? And they went to have it analyzed. And then when they had it analyzed, they're like, where did you get this? This is Trinitite. Then that, because the only other place, remember, they found it is New Mexico. And that place is off limits. You do not go there or else you may get shot, okay? Then they thought that he went and got it there, but no. Whatever God did in Sodom and Gomorrah, blowing that place up, all right, he did a good job because there was Trinitite found there too, all right? But that's just pretty cool. 
And um, so Stephen Collins, if you want to do your own research, you know, he's fr- he, uh, from Trinity Southwest University. He does a lot of different YouTube videos I've watched. Um, and the thing is, you know, when we're looking at the Bible, I totally believe with all my heart that the Bible is not only historical, it's not only accurate, it's the Word of God. And every detail that God puts there is for a reason. So that just wanted to point to that. All right. Um, so next thing is God had promises for Abraham. Man, he was 75 years old when God called him uh, to be a father of a great nation. And, you know, after a while, Sarah, you know, even though Abraham said, man, God's got these promises, she grew impatient. She may be thinking, man, God's got, you know, a promise for us, but maybe we need to help God. Maybe we need to, you know, go and, you know, help move things on. So when they were in Egypt, Abraham and Sarah, they got a servant named Hagar, and they had, uh, you know, Sarah says, hey, you know, why don't you sleep with my, uh, con- uh, my servant here, and, and, we'll, and I'll have a kid through you. And that was common practice back in the day, all right? But really, again, that's another thing where, where Abraham wasn't trusting in God. Sometimes God's promises take a really long time, really long. This guy had to wait a really long time for God's promises. But I just want to encourage you guys, don't give up. And I'm in that boat, man. Sometimes God says stuff, you know, and we just want to push things and move things on our own. But really, he just created a lot of headaches uh, in his own household with that. So I'm just going to mention that. But I also want to also say, just real quick, because we're going to look at this too. God loved Abraham so much that he made a covenant with him. All right? And this covenant, the Lord told him that uh, I'm the Lord that brought you out of the Ur of the Chaldees to give you land this possessions. But Abraham's like, man, you made all these promises, but how can I really, really believe what you're saying? Abraham replied, Lord God, or sorry, but Abraham replied, yeah, Lord God, how can I know that I'm going to actually possess this? So God tells Abraham, go get five types of animals. And this is kind of weird. So he gets these five type of animals and he needs to cut these animals in half. All right, sorry, kids. All right, it's kind of gross. All right, but that's what they did. It's called cutting covenant. All right, basic idea is, hey, if you guys were supposed to walk through these animals together and if you didn't follow your end of the bargain, you're going to end up like that animal, right? Pretty straightforward, okay? You don't want to break your covenant that you made. But this was really important to God, all right? So that's the symbolism um, now, when he goes and Abraham does this, you know the first thing that comes and tries to screw up this plan is birds. Does anybody know what bird symbolizes most of the time in the Bible? If you guys remember the story, the parable of the seed, Jesus uses this. It's really the enemy. It's Satan. He comes and tries. When God gives you promises, Satan's going to come and he's going to say, hey, God didn't really say that. God didn't really do that. You can't really trust in God. And they're going to try to take those from you. All right. But Abraham falls asleep. God walks alone uh, through the animals. And on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham. Um, While Abraham was snoozing away, God ratified his covenant with him. God is the one who initiates this covenant. God ratifies the covenant. God committed to keeping the covenant. It all relied on him now, God, because he's the one that went through the animals and keeping this covenant with his friend Abraham. All Abraham did was to believe, trust God, and God credited his belief with righteousness. And that's the same for us. We need to trust God with everything. All right? Why is the covenant so important? And at the end of Genesis 22, I'm going to get right to it and really hopefully bring this alive. Um, but, so tuck this in the back of your um, head for a second. But when you agree to someone in a covenant, you become bonded to them in a special way. 
you may, uh, that, that happens, there's special privilege involved, right? Just like a marriage, right, babe? All right, right? We're in a covenant together. Right? Yeah, don't forget it. Okay, now, if you agree, uh, resources are shared. Um, if one goes to war, the other one is usually, ex- usually expected to go to war. And if you ask that person to do something, right, here's the cool thing. That person can ask you to do that instead, all right? Again, so it's reciprocal, all right? Now, just tuck that in the back of your head, okay? Cool. All right, now, promises, all right? God promised that Abraham was going to have a boy, all right? Now, think about it. A hundred years old. Dude, that is a long time to wait for anything. All right, a boy. All right, Sarah was 90 years old. All right, you can only imagine when this thing finally came to fruition. Now, I'm just going to share something. I'm going to put it right out there. All right, just like two weeks ago, Ari and I found out that we're having a boy. All right, dude, I'm super excited. Thank you. Thank you. All right, I am. All right, we have two girls. Love, the best girls ever. All right, but Awesome, you know, for a guy having a boy. There's something special there, okay? So, so amazing. I can only imagine. I didn't have to wait 100 years, thank God, all right? But, all right, I, I'm so excited too. And I'm excited for Abraham just reading this story. Man, we're in this together, buddy. I know what you feel like now. Boy, yeah, here we go, okay? So, awesome. So I had to wait a long time, all right? So, now, here's the thing. I have this boy. They're growing up, all right? This is like the greatest thing that Abraham, you know, has in his life. You would think, the boy, Isaac, you know, had to wait 100 years for him. Now, here's the, where, where things just twist and get weird, right? And if you don't understand what God's doing, you're like, dude, who is this weird God, right? Because Abraham wakes up one day, all right? And this is called the mystery of the Akedah. If you were to study Hebrew and all that stuff, all right, this is what they call it. If you ask, you know, uh, a person who doesn't necessarily believe in the New Testament, they might not even really understand this story. Like, okay, God tested Abraham. You think about it. Does God like kids? Does God like killing innocent kids? No, he doesn't. Okay, so how does this story fit in the character of nature of God? Well, we really got to dig to see this, all right? But, all right, sometime later, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he's like, hey, here I am, right here, God, ready, all right? He answered, take your son, God said, your only son, Isaac. Now, this is weird, too, because remember, Abraham had more than one son. So, and whom you love. Now, crazy thing. Did you guys know that this is the very first place in the Bible where love is mentioned? Mind blown. Okay, right? All right, he puts it here. All right, and go to the land of Moriah. And we're going to say, why Moriah? What's so special Moriah? Anytime there's details in the Bible, you got to dig. Why is that there? Why did he put that there? Who's it supposed to point to? Jesus. All right. All right. Cool. All right. Go to the land that I will show you. So Abraham got up early next morning. He didn't even waste any time. He didn't argue with God. The next morning pops up and he's ready to go. All right. Unbelievable. All right. And wake up early next morning. He saddled his donkey. He took along two servants with his son, Isaac. He split the wood for a burnt offering and set it he set out for a place that God designated. Now, this also reminds me of John 3, 16, right? You guys know that verse. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and the only son. So believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. All right. Whoops. I don't know just what happened. I don't know. We're supposed to wait 60 seconds. There's a bomb going to go off. All right, there we go. Good. All right, I got nervous. I got nervous. All right, we're back. Though. All right, cool. All right, so we keep reading down here. And Genesis 22, there's three days between God gives the call and they're up in Mount Moriah. Three days. Again, all these details are significant. Why? Jesus, 
You know, he died for three days. And it says that as soon as God said it, it counted him as dead. Okay? Um, We also say in verse 5 that he will return to you. Abraham knew that God would have to raise Isaac from the dead, that God had a problem here. There was a miracle was going to happen. You know, if he reads further, that there was a premonition that he knew that this was for something way bigger, all right? Because God was going to have to fill his promises through Isaac. And the other thing is that Isaac carries what? The wood that represents the cross. He would sacrifice uh, that one day Jesus would be sacrificed on, okay? Um, Now, legality. Because God cut covenant with Abraham before he asked Abraham to sacrifice his son. Abraham was willing to say yes to God and sacrifice his son Isaac. It gave now God, notice this, it now gave God the legal right to give his only son. God now had legal right one day because he cut covenant. Now Abraham, hey, you don't got to do this, but one day I'm going to do this for you. And that's the reason. Because you see, under Satan's rule, he now had no right to deny Jesus the opportunity to redeem his creation. His family could ask at any time, could ask God to give his son for us. Now, why is the land of Moriah so important? Well, you look at a topographical map, all right? You see, I don't know if this makes sense to you, but Salem was actually what would one day be present Jerusalem, all right? Old Salem back then in Genesis, the threshing floor of uh, Urah, all right, all right? I'm going to say that wrong, all right? But anyways, that's the threshing floor that David bought, all right? And was, became the temple, okay? That's significant. A lot of people think that, hey, maybe that's where Isaac was sacrificed. But no, if you look at a topographical, a lot of people also think that, hey, you go all the way up to the top, the very peak, and that's Golgotha. What happened at that very spot? Jesus died. See, Jesus had a plan of redemption from the beginning, but he needed somebody who was willing to obey and obey the details because all these details are going to point to who? Jesus. All right? So the story is referenced in Hebrews. Abraham reasons that if his son died, God would bring him back again. All right? That he receive his son back from the dead. In John, he argues again with the Pharisees and Sadducees, the guys that are always on his back. Hey, Jesus said, um, I glorify myself. My glory means nothing. The one who glorifies me is the Father, whom you say he is our God. You do not know him, but I know him. If I said I had not known him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it, and it was glad. What did Abraham see? Did God somehow give him a vision of what he was doing, you know, when he was going to sacrifice? It's crazy that he saw this. And what is Jesus saying? He says, Abraham saw this. He was glad. Why can't you be glad? So Jesus points directly, I believe, into this moment where we're here uh, hiking up on Moriah. All right. So we're going to skip ahead. All right. In Genesis 22, we go on. It says, the fire and the wood are here. But I says, but... Where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham replies, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering. Again, prophetic. In the King James, it says, my son, God will provide himself a lamb. So just as then the angel replied to him from him, Abraham, Abraham, I'm here. He replied, do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. The angel said, for I know now that you fear God and since you have not withheld your son from me. Wait, I thought it was an angel. From me? Who was visiting maybe Abraham 
in that very moment could have been Jesus? That's crazy, right? That Jesus could have been there 2,000 years before he was about to get slaughtered and said, hey, you did that for, for me? 2,000 years later, I'm going to do it for you and all your descendants and all the Gentiles too. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Um, Abraham looked up. He saw behind him a ram in the thicket, the thorns. So he went and took the ram, offered the burnt offering uh, in the place of his son. And Abraham called that place the Lord will provide prophetically. That was a very important place again and will be. Um, And the angel of the Lord called Abraham from heaven a second time saying, by myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your only son, surely I will surely bless you and I will multiply your descendants like the stars of the sky, like the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will possess the gates of their enemy and through your offspring all nations will be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Abraham went back to his servants. They got up. They set out together to Bathsheba. And Abraham settled in Bathsheba. Who did they forget to name in that story? Isaac. Is there a reason why Isaac isn't mentioned yet again? We'll look at that. All right. But I just want to see this. Again, Abraham obeyed God. And because of that, not only was he blessed, but all his descendants are blessed. When you obey God and you set up a godly household, you're setting up a legacy for generations to be blessed. All right? Now, God orchestrates our lives. A ram, a substitute, provision. God knew in advance what needed uh, to happen. God sees everything ahead of time. God will not stop. God would not stop soldiers one day from driving nails through the hands of his hands and feet. And it just reminds me, of something that Greg was saying earlier this week uh, in Psalm 37. God directs the steps of the godly. He directs your steps. He delights in every detail of our lives. Uh, Though we may stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord God holds them by the hand. All right, real quick, the last part of this story. The unnamed servant, Isaac, and his bride. See, Isaac's not mentioned until the very end uh, here, when Abraham wants to get a bride for his son. And Abraham commissions his servant. Now, in the story, it's unnamed. And I believe that this servant represents the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is always somebody who doesn't testify about himself. But if you read back in Scripture, Abraham's head servant, his name was Eliezer. Why is that important? Do you guys know what Eliezer means? You can cheat, all right? It means counselor, okay? Who is our counselor? The Holy Spirit, all right? Man, there's so many details here. They're important, all right? Now, when he travels, Abraham says, hey, go to the land that I grew up. Go to my household and see if you can find somebody for um, my son. So when Eliezer or, you know, the unnamed servant gets there, he has 10 camels, tons of gifts. Who, give, who gives good gifts to us? God, the Holy Spirit, all right? Gives gifts to us, okay? And Who's called to seek the bride? The Holy Spirit does. Man, so many details, all right? So Isaac's name, he's edited out all of this story. His name's not in there until the very end when he sees who? Rebecca, his bride. When are we seeing Jesus next? When we get to heaven. 
Oh man. All right. So that's why I had to preach this sermon. Okay. There's so many amazing details that just blew my mind when I learned all this and I wanted to share. But Isaac was a type of Jesus. We are his bride and we will not see him until we get to heaven one day. All right. And this is the close. All right. All of us have a walk of faith. We've been created to walk with God on a journey just like Abraham did. But the big thing is we can never please God unless we put our faith and trust in him. God can never use us to do big, awesome, amazing things until we put our faith and trust in him. And God's going to start out by, by asking you to do little things and little things because he wants to build up your faith. And it's important to hear people's testimonies because when you hear people's testimonies, you're going to build up their faith as well. When we ended camp, all the kids went around and they got to share the story of what God did in their life that week for a reason. But I want to tell you this, all of us need to take steps of faith. All of us are in different uh, life circumstances. But I can only tell you that God from the foundation, he's orchestrated these circumstances, especially the hard ones, to build our faith and trust in him. God is continually trying to mold us and shape us in our character to be like God, to be like Jesus. All right. Now, when you say, Lord, hey, I'm going to follow you. I'm that guy. I'm going to do that. It's going to cost you. Jesus never, you know, he never sugarcoated it when Jesus was here. He says, hey, you're going to follow me. He even told some of the disciples, hey, you're going to die for me. It's going to happen. He's like, but you wait. You wait till you get up to heaven. You read Revelations. And I believe even some of the foundations of heaven are like named after the disciples. Like it's crazy. God really blesses those guys. All right. So it's going to cost you. There's going to need to be obedience and steps of faith. All right. And Every day, taking deliberate and passionate pursuit of him. See, our life journey isn't a one and done. Anybody that says, oh yeah, I accepted the Lord back, you know, way back years ago, and now I'm just kind of doing my own thing. Like, are they going to get up to heaven one day? Is God going to say, hey buddy, I knew you. Or like, hey, yeah, you, you said Jesus one time, but I didn't know you. That walk is personal. It's daily. Because here's the deal. Every day you're encountering people that don't know him, people that are hurting, people that are in need, people that need a word of encouragement. And the only way that God is going to be able to intercede in their life is through you when you are obedient and submissive to God. And I'm just going to tell you, I always think about heaven. I don't know about you, but I'm going to be honest with you. I listen to people who said they died, they went there, blah, blah, blah or listen to books about heaven, or sorry, read books about heaven, listen to stuff too about it. But I'm always thinking about it. Why? Where am I going to spend my eternity? There, all right? If I go on a vacation, how long am I going to go on vacation for? Maybe Greg will give me a week off, all right? I don't know, all right? So, all right? So listen, listen, I'm going to spend a lot of time in heaven. So I think about it a lot, all right? I talk about it a lot, all right? But we need to always keep the end in mind, all right? When you make sacrifices for God, all right? You're doing it for the here and now. You're doing it for your family. You're doing it to build God's kingdom. But I guarantee you, you get up there one day, God's going to say, remember that drink of water that you gave that guy? Boom, here's a lake. Just kidding. All right. I don't know what he's going to give you. All right. But <laughs> maybe a lake house. Right? We were at one yesterday with the kids. So fun. All right. But God is going to bless you. Thousandfold. So my challenge is you for this, is this. When you read the word of God, don't just skim over it. Dig. There's so many awesome details and the Bible's going to come to life if you dig. 
But follow God passionately. Pursue him every single day and be open like Abraham was to be used by God. God sometimes is going to say, hey, hey, will you do this thing? You're like, dude, that's crazy. And you'll be like, and you should get excited. You're like, oh man, God's asked me this crazy thing. Because you know that if God asks you something crazy, there's going to be some crazy result in the end, right? All right, so let's pray. All right, and I just want you to pray this with me, all right? That God will use Shiloh Community Church, the members here, to do crazy things, um, in this area, right? We need Jesus. I know I say it all the time, we're the least church state in the country. Come on, people. All right, we need to change it, all right? We need to put that on anybody else, all right? But we're all called to full-time ministry wherever God has you, your business, your home, your neighborhood, all right, your kids' friends, all right, that's your ministry, okay? So we need to be open to let God move and work through us. So Father God, we, we just come before you today, God. God, and I just ask you with all of my heart, God, we're here. God, use us. Use us, Lord God, here in the state that you've called us. Use us in this region. Father, there's so many hurting people out there. There's so many people, Lord God, that need to know how much you love them. I pray, God, that we can be your hands and your feet. And wherever we go, God, that we can point to you. We can point to our Savior and testify how great your love is for us. What God, what other God would come and, and spare or, or give his one and only son, Lord God, to die on a cross through us? None but you, God. So I pray, Lord God, just for divine appointments, Lord God, even this week. I pray for our youth that went to camp, God, that you'll continue to mold and shape them and pour out your spirit in them. I pray when they come and testify uh, this coming week, Lord God, that they'll encourage other people, that the fire that you put on the inside of them would be contagious uh, to all of us, Lord God, and all of us in this region, Father. God, use us to build your kingdom, God. We give everything over to you in your holy, precious name, Lord. Amen. All right, thank you for joining online. We do have growth track own after uh, service today. And if you're in part of 412 Leadership, we also have a meeting. So thank you guys for joining us. Enjoy the heat. All right, we only got a few left weeks of it, then winter comes, okay? So have a good week. It's gonna be really hot on Thursday. All right, thanks guys.